Welcome to Bridge the City, a podcast recorded in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our mission is to bridge together people, resources, and ideas that inspire Milwaukee to action. My name is Sam Woods. I'm Kyle Hagee. And I'm Benjamin Rangel. Today, we are breaking out of the trend of our election specials to bring you a Milwaukee talkie with the president of the United States of America. No, no, no. Oh, even better. A lot better. Uh, The president of Marquette University, Michael Lovell. If you have not listened to our four previous episodes, please go back and check those out before the primary on August 14th. And remember to visit WeChoose, that's WIChoose.org, and get involved in selecting a people's champion with the Wisconsin's Choice Campaign. But if you haven't been listening to the last four episodes... Yeah, what are you doing, really? What are you doing with your life? Yeah. Let's be honest. So, we have now realized that we're 12 episodes into Bridge of City, and we haven't talked a lot about our own story. Yeah, we've done a terrible job establishing our credibility. No idea why you all are still <laughs> listening to us here. So, we thought it would be an appropriate time, since Ben and I are students of Marquette, to speak on the decision to come to Marquette since we are interviewing the president of that institution. Yeah, so Kyle and I are both Trinity Fellows, and the Trinity Fellowship is a graduate program at Marquette for students who have served with AmeriCorps, the Peace Corps, or some other service organization. And the program really focuses on economic and social justice. I'm studying international affairs there, and I also proudly serve as the core member development coordinator at City Year Milwaukee. And I am studying political science, which is like a better version of international affairs. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I work on the Choice Neighborhood Initiative at the Housing Authority of the City of Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) But I will say the decision for me to attend Marquette wasn't necessarily given. So I went to undergrad at UW-Madison. Go Badgers. Go Gophers. Okay. Um, And as you will hear in a bit from President Level, there are some major differences between public and private universities. And in particular, some differences about their diversity of perspectives and thought. So coming to Marquette, I was worried about it being a Catholic institution. Plus, you don't always hear the most positive things about Marquette's place in the Milwaukee community. But I will say that I did find that the Jesuit piece of Marquette is really at the center of its existence. Because as you will hear in a bit, the Jesuit commitment to service is what drives President Lovell's work and the vision of the university. And I had uh, similar thoughts to Ben. Um, I attended the University of Minnesota Twin Cities, which is very similar to UW-Madison, except for it's better. <laughs> and uh, being coming from a public university, I viewed Marquette as maybe an elitist school, a school that attempted to stand out from Milwaukee rather than blend in and embrace it. But throughout my experience here, I've seen that Marquette has truly been putting forth a lot of effort to strengthen the Milwaukee community, They do stay true to their Jesuit values, and they work to make the community more equitable for all. I think Marquette, like all institutions and all places, certainly has work to do, but they are striving for a better future for all. So we are privileged enough to sit down with President Lovell to hear about his efforts at Marquette, the values he cares about, and his own personal journey. So here's President Lovell. Mike Lovell, I'm president of Marquette University. What is the role of a president of a university? The role of 
any leader of an institution, you know, like a like a university like Marquette is, you know, a couple of things. At first, you kind of set the vision and kind of guide what direction, you know, overall the, the institution is going to go. Uh, the second is is to bring resources, you know, to to the institution, and, and kind of the third thing is is to identify opportunities, align people and resources diversity with the opportunities that are, that are there. And I think you know, as part of our conversation today, part of that alignment and doing that is understanding that our mission as an institution and what you know what we do is we want to serve the community that we're in and there are tremendous opportunities in Milwaukee we also have tremendous assets here and how can we get the assets of the university aligned with the opportunities and you know that we can help Milwaukee grow can you talk a little bit about like your journey what led you here to Marquette where you were oh from? certainly you know and, and and like many people at the campus you know was, I was drawn here you know I'm an engineer by training you know I was I started out you know, I, I last time I used my PhD, my first two years coming out, I worked for a startup software company. We went public, and I used that opportunity to pivot back to academia and was an engineering professor at Kentucky, University of Pittsburgh, before getting recruited in Milwaukee 10 years ago. And I was at UWM and uh, became chancellor there and uh, had no, first of all, I had no, in my whole career, I never had to, you know, it was never a goal of mine to become a president of a university. It just kind of things just happen you know you make decisions i mean what happens is in life you, you make decisions where you feel your skills and talents will make the most impact and, and that's kind of how i got to where i was because i realized that the higher up i was at a university the you know the more impact i can make and i felt and so it was just but it was nothing i aspired to uh but when i was at uwm and i was starting to get recruited by some people here to come to marquette it was really the the catholic jesuit values of this institution and our commitment to serving others and, and being a difference in the world, you know, are all things that resonated with me personally, aligned with my values, along with being a, a devout Catholic. So all those things together, I mean, we realized that this was, this was a good home for me. On that topic too, I had a friend who I think worked in your office, Josh Martinez. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, I remember uh, him having a conversation with me a bit about how you might be the first non-Jesuit priest president. So at Marquette University, I'm the first non-Jesuit president. Okay. And and, uh, and among all the presidents at Jesuit universities, I think I am the first engineer oh, as okay. well. So yeah. Breaking so, barriers. Yeah. So both of those are kind of, uh, are kind of new. Yeah. And on that experience, I mean, like, has there been controversy over the fact? Have you kind of welcomed um, the fact that, you know, you might be a little bit more unique in your background? So a couple or? of things, you know, first of all, is one of the most, if not the most supportive group in helping me in the transition has been the Jesuits. When I was asked at my press conference, what was my biggest challenge was, you know, the Catholic part is certainly been part of my whole life. The Jesuit piece is new. And leading a Jesuit institution with all the Jesuit traditions and history, you know, without having that context... I mean, I knew that was going to be a challenge, but the Jesuits, I've gone through something called the Ignatian Colleagues Program, where I spent a year and a half essentially reading books and being trained, going through, I went through a, a, a week-long silent retreat. I did a uh, service mission trip to Chile, and, you know, so I've, I've gotten these really unique perspectives, so I've learned a lot. On the flip side, being the first engineer in you know, most Jesuits, at least the most in the history of the institution, have been more on the theology philosophy side. And so they always have a certain approach and way of doing things. You know, as an engineer, being a very system process level thinker, I bring a different skill set uh, to the university. So all it's a great university, and the 23 Jesuits before me have taken a certain point. Now I feel like my skill set will have us be able to do things a little differently and maybe even take us to another level. So you mentioned serving the community, and I think there's this notion that Marquette might be in, in its own bubble. Um, like students come here, they stay on campus, they graduate, and then maybe they go back home wherever that is. 
there might be some tension between students and community members that have been uh, here for a long time. How do you view that paradigm and, and what efforts does Marquette make to kind of ease those tensions or embrace the community? You know, it's interesting because I, I think when I first started here four years ago, I heard a lot more about the Marquette bubble than I do today. And a lot of that, it wasn't reality, it was more perception. Because, you know, as, as we, we formed the Office of Community Engagement and we've been monitoring in a much more cohesive way the way that we are impacting the community. Because now with, with this office, one of the things we've, we've been able to do is articulate exactly how big an impact we have in Milwaukee. And our students do more than 450,000 hours of community service every year. That's two hours per student per week for the 12,000 students on our campus. That's significant. And then also, by having a community engagement office, now to have one point, our messaging is getting out you know, two people, members of the community. There's a place for the community to come and engage. And then, you know, the idea that we're open for business, you know, again, when I say that, I mean, we're, we're open to helping communities identify some of their challenges and helping, you know, bring resources to bear uh, within the university or outside the university to solve those challenges. And so I think uh, we've done a much better job. And, you know, and most recently, you know, I, I've announced the President's Challenge where we're going to, we're working with Johnson Controls, we're going to be funding, you know, projects that align faculty and staff and students at the university with neighborhoods that have challenges that the neighborhoods are identifying work with, you know, our community to, you know, actually start taking action items to help grow those areas and help them experience success. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, that has been very well received by our community members because, again, we're putting $250,000 in each project, which that's a simple amount of funds to, mm-hmm. to make, start making a difference. But I think even more importantly, it shows our commitment to making a difference in our community. And we, you know, obviously, we can't solve all the problems in Milwaukee, but we can do start doing one community at a time while we make a difference. And coming from UW-Milwaukee, a public school, what have you seen as the major differences maybe between yeah. public and private schools, and, and do you see those differences continuing in the future? Is um, Do you see the, the future of higher education leaning more towards public schools mm-hmm. or more towards private schools? So uh, first, I'll address the first question as being, what's the difference? And really, a, a big public school of 30,000 students like UWM, what makes that university strong is the diversity of views and opinions, you know, all the different ideas and different contexts. Uh, when you're leading an institution like that, what your challenge is, is one of the things that I didn't realize how much time and energy I was spending doing was building consensus on what direction the university should be moving towards or going. Whereas you get to a private institution where people share a common set of values, and, and, and by and large, you know, we have a lot of differences, but a lot of people are drawn here because of you know what we've got as an institution, you know, understanding how important service is and, and, and making a difference in the world. I don't spend as nearly as much time and energy kind of building consensus because typically, not always, if I think something is a good idea direction to go, most of the people on the campus feel the same way. Right. And, and it's because we, we kind of all have the same backdrop. The second thing is is the biggest difference in ter- is terms of the pace that you can move. Uh, when you're in a public institution, even if you have the money for a new building from a donor, mm-hmm. you need approval from the, there's a system of universities that go to the system to get approval. Then you have to go to the department of administration and then from the department of administration, you go to the building commission and the building commission ultimately the governor has to sign off. So you have four levels of sign off, even if you have all the funds already for building. And uh, it just, it takes a tremendous amount of time. Uh, here at Marquette, the only thing you need approval of is the Board of Trustees. If we want a new um, new academic program, it just goes through the Academic Ethics Committee and gets approved with the board. And we're able to, we launched the Data Science program here in eight months. That would be two or three year 
journey in, in a public. So, so when you think about the future of higher ed is, you know, first of all, higher ed is, we're changing faster than we ever have. We're continuing to change. Um, you know, I think big public schools, I think they're going to be fine going forward. Private schools, you know, I think the ones that are nimble and are innovative and entrepreneurial in the way we do things, mm-hmm. I think that we'll, we'll be fine. I think talking to someone who runs a, um, a smaller, you know, private institution, their tuition is $57,000 a year. And, you know, and they don't, you know, they don't have professional schools there. So it's, it's primarily just all liberal arts. And the discussions we had is how they're trying to have a hard time proving that they're going to bring value for that investment to, to, the, to the students and their families. And so overall, higher ed is in a very unique place that, you know, people are questioning whether we're, we're worth it, which is the first time in our history. Yeah. And so we're having to prove that we, we bring that value in terms of the jobs that are out there when students graduate. You know, I'm a huge believer that technology is ultimately going to drive down the cost of education for everybody. And so, you know, we really need to be on the front edge, particularly for Catholic Jesuit institutions who are brand, and being available and the type of degrees we offer and the way we actually mm-hmm. teach students, you know, the skills they need to be successful. These financial constraints you're talking about, yeah. I think uh, in dealing with, both me and Ben dealt with 40 high school students each, they were all low-income first-generation mm-hmm. students. That was like a main concern, like how are we going to afford college? Um, and there are actually a good amount of opportunities for lower income, but the, the students that made a little more money actually had a harder time paying because mm-hmm. um, they didn't get a lot of the like money-based yep. uh, financial aid. Do you, and, and a, a big thing I'm assuming of your job is to get money for like scholarships, mm-hmm. do you find that uh, difficult to balance the need to like raise money for scholarships, raise money for like a new building. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you spend too much time trying to like recruit donors? No. Um, how does that work? So, so one of the main major things I do is actually you know cultivate donors and get them to give the nursery. And the number mm-hmm. one thing that donors you know by and large want to want to give for are scholarship for mm-hmm. students. That resonates with almost everybody. I mean, there are a few donors that want their name on buildings, which is always nice because that's usually a big pay, yeah. big amount of paycheck <laughs> that they, they they give us, but. You know, I, I do think that many, many donors, you know, you know, that does understand, particularly graduates of Marquette University understand that we were founded for first-generation students, and, it's, and people are very passionate about ensuring that we stay true to that mission and provide opportunities for first-generation students and, you know, low-income students to still be able to matriculate here and be successful. And so when I think about, um, you know, our HSI initiative and, you know, helping you know, the EOP program and these other other programs, finding donors that that resonates with is, is, is fairly easy. Ultimately, I do think that one of the most important things we can do as an institution is raise money for scholarships for students, particularly low-income students, so that they can be here be successful because what we don't want to have students, particularly from those, those uh, demographics, to come here they take on debt and then they're not successful and they leave worse off than what mm-hmm. they come here with, which is, which is, you know, unfortunately that happens a lot today. I just was actually read an article yesterday in the uh, New York Times that talked about students, first-generation low-income students are now attending college at the highest rate ever in our history, but they're matriculating at the lowest rate yeah. in our history. Mm-hmm. So, which means they're coming, they're going to school, they're taking on debt and they're not graduating, which is, which is means they're going to be worse off than when they got it, which we cannot accept. So one of the main purposes of our podcast is to provide our listeners with like specific action steps or just tangible knowledge for them to be aware of so that they can get involved in something they're passionate about. So specifically about partnerships that Marquette participates in, is there one that you're particularly proud of? I know Kyla and I know the partnership between you and your Westside Partners, yeah. but are, I'm sure there's others. Can you talk a little bit about those? Yeah, obviously the Northside Partners is, is 
was one of the, the first ones that, you know, that I had taken on when I, I came to Marquette. And, you know, we're very proud of the fact that we are transforming, you know, the neighborhood to our west. Uh, you know, if I look at just last year, we had eight new businesses move into the near west side. Again, that's a side of, of some vibrancy. And I hear, I mean, developers are buying properties. I mean, so these are all good signs that the neighborhood's getting better. And, and I think the first thing we, we really focused on, you know, safety. In reducing crime, and I think that was the first step in, in transforming that. And so, you know, there's always opportunities, you know, for our students through Midnight Run and all these other programs to actually volunteer on the near west side and, and to make it better. And we, we have a, a number of programs that, that we uh, do with that. Uh, one of the things that we're just getting into now uh, is, is an initiative called SWIM, and it's called Scaling Wellness in Milwaukee. This has come through, I don't know if you're familiar with the Marquette Forum, where each year we pick a topic. And we have a year-long set of events focused on the topic. And this year's topic, it's called Fractured, and it has, it's about health disparities in Milwaukee. And the SWIM initiative is really focused on the generations that have experienced trauma within our inner city. And there is actually a genetic link between your experience in trauma in health and educational outcomes. Uh, if we can start addressing trauma that particularly children and then their adult caregivers have experienced in their life, it'll allow them you know, to be more successful and healthier in their life. And so uh, this initiative, it, it just um, they, they just wrote an article about a week and a half ago in the, in the Journal Sentinel, but really it's, you know, we understand, we're finally, for the first time, uh, understand the impacts that trauma has on us biologically. And what is amazing is that these biological effects are passed on from parents to their children. And, but the great news about it is, is that these effects are reversible. The way you actually reverse uh, these trends are being in a supportive and nurturing environment, you know, where you do have, you know, adults that are um, they're trusted caregivers. And it only takes one or two trusted adult caregivers to change uh, the potential trajectory of uh, individuals that have experienced trauma. In, in terms of the broader city of Milwaukee, I think I hear from a lot of my friends who don't live in Milwaukee that they're like, why would I ever go to Milwaukee? There might be this sense that people don't necessarily want to stay in Milwaukee. Whether that's true or not, I'm not sure. But what role does Marquette play in kind of recruiting people to Milwaukee? Mm -hmm. And also, what role do they play in getting people to stay yeah. um, after their Marquette experience? So I, so I think, uh, obviously, we draw you know, from outside of Milwaukee. I mean, our in-state residents are only about 21 or 20 percent of our student body. So you know, 70 or 80 percent of our students are from other parts mm -hmm. of the country. And so we're great in drawing talent to Milwaukee. Where we need to also help Milwaukee is how do we uh, retain that talent. And so one of the things I've been involved with is, has been shown to be so far one of the most successful things of keeping talent here is something called the Commons. And, and uh, we launched the Commons. Um, it was actually, we had the initial meeting here. I hosted the 23 presidents and chancellors of the institutions with uh, Michael Hosted uh, from uh, Innovation Milwaukee, um, mm -hmm. which I'm one of the co-chairs, and so what we found is is that we we draw students from the 23 institutions into this this cohort, where they either solve problems uh, the companies bring or they pitch their own ideas about companies. And there's a whole you know mentoring and informal program that they go through through this. But what happens is when they go through this, it's not necessarily the project they work on or the company they try to form or start that keeps them here. It's the network they form during the process that then they can then see themselves being successful here. And so we found that students that get involved in this, and these are some of the most innovative, entrepreneurial students that we have in, 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 in the area, 
they're 81% more likely to stay in Milwaukee than those that don't. And so, and so that's, so that's really the key is, is helping people see out their opportunities for them to be successful and grow in what they want to do. Getting like-minded students together that care and want to do and finding ways for them. And, and, you know, I, the commons is a, is a great success, you know, point. And, and also what they also happens is they, they often end up working for the companies that, that are involved in the commons that are giving them challenges or problems to work on. Mm. Because they, again, they see the types of work they could do if they stay here, whether it be Coles or Bridges Stratton or some of these other companies. It's so great to sit down with you and just to sort of like hear everything that's happening at Marquette. Because I think as a student, one, you just get lost in the schoolwork and you focus on that. But it's just rare that you get to sit down and like actually think about all of the great things the university is doing. But is there one that sticks out to you as in, during your tenure that you're most proud of in terms of an accomplishment as president? Oh, you know, there's been so much that is that has happened. I think one of the things that I that um, I do each year in my presidential address is I give a, a, a usually three or four difference maker awards. And uh, for me, uh, this year it was really exciting because one of the things I did my first year is I, I launched the Strategic Innovation Fund. And so what happened was in my first two months I sat and met as many people as I could and listened, and I heard all about all these great ideas that people had of ways we can transform the city and the campus, but there was no mechanism for them to ever come out. And so I raised about $4 million in the first year, and we started seeding these projects. So there was you know, a couple hundred proposals came in, and I think we funded you know, 30 the first year. And, and, um, and so now we're seeing the rewards of those investments. And the one that, you know, for me, it kind of came full circle was uh, the work of Dr. Michael Schloppy. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he had this idea that you could grow rice in Wisconsin, you know, and rice only grows in tropical climates. So he has the audacity to think he could do this as, you know, as a biology faculty member. And uh, he actually did all this research on different strains of rice. He found one from Russia, and I can't remember the same. It's a, it's a funny name, but he started growing it, you know, uh, on top of the biology building, you know, in a small scale. Yeah. And and but through the Works Research Innovation Fund, he actually got got funding to actually be able to process the rice as well. And so he had the idea of this. He proved he could grow rice on the roof of our buildings. He said, well, let's bring this to scale. So he took an acre farm up in Mequon. But the unique thing is that he, he worked with the Hmong community. And the Hmong community have a long history of growing rice. You know, it's, that's a part of their culture and tradition. But, but the monks here haven't been able to do that. Well, he took what he learned. He worked with the Hmong community. They went up and they planted this field of rice. And they harvested 12,000 pounds of wow. rice on that acre wow. and proving that you can grow rice and it's a sustainable crop here. And so now not only has he helped the Hmong community return the roots, it, it's now a, a, a viable economic business for people in the Hmong community. And, and it's great because there are all these food-to-table restaurants now in Milwaukee that want to have homegrown rice and so there's a mm-hmm. business model out there for them already and and this and, and again for me and that's just one example but to me this took a strategic innovation fund where we had a, a, a faculty member who had an idea and a concept and now that has gone to really make an impact and change an important you know community in milwaukee so uh, any rice in the dining hall might be yeah i actually have a bag in my office upstairs they gave me that's oh, it. Wow. It's grow. Really cool. yeah that's I've, very cool yeah, yeah i've been eating it yet but it's, it's pretty cool but but just i mean and you know for me you know you mentioned before you, you don't get to hear one of the great things about my role on campus is i i'm kind of on the top i get to see how all the pieces are moving and fitting together and and it, it makes me so proud to be at Marquette is I see all the great things that are happening and sure we know there are challenges you know both on our campus and our community but the commitment of the people of this 
that the campus to make a difference and, and, and to improve things is just, you know, it, it's really humbling. So if there's a student listening, an undergrad, grad student, mm-hmm. uh, somebody maybe unfamiliar with Marquette as a university, I know I was just talking to a colleague earlier who was not from the city of Milwaukee, so didn't, I was like, hey, I'm going to be interviewing the president. What question should I ask? Yeah. He's like, well, I don't know much about the university. What is one action step that you want to leave our listeners with in well, terms of either getting involved for the university or yeah. the community. The one thing I would say about our campus is that there, there's no end to the opportunities that you, you can have to make a difference, you know, both on campus and in Milwaukee. Uh, and again, if, if you're interested in volunteering or doing some work, you know, Dan Bergen from the Office of Community Engagement, which is a new office we formed in my first year here, you know, he knows all the opportunities that are out there to, to work in the city. And, you know, his really role is align people that are interested in working on certain areas to what the needs are, you know, of, of the city. And so uh, I would recommend them. There's a, there's a website for the Office of Community Engagement. You can go there and look at the whole menu. And, again, it's amazing how many things that we're doing. It's, it's hundreds of different ways that we're involved in, in Milwaukee. And, and uh, if if you do have that passion, I would go there and, you know, and, and Dan will meet with anybody. That's something that, you know, our mission is to produce men and women life and service to others. And I can think of no better way than during your time here on our campus if you're a student than to go out and serve others. It's three fellows you know. It gives you a unique perspective on our role in the world. It was really interesting. We had one of the, the keynote speakers for the Marquette Forum was here last night. And, you know, one of the things that he talked about, he, he had all kinds of great data about the challenges we have, we face in Milwaukee. And, um, you know, I think that we, if you think about action steps, you know, it's up to all of us to be agents of change. If we accept the status quo, then we're accepting something that has inequalities built into it, right? And so we want everybody, everyone should have equal opportunity to be successful in our society. And right now, we're working in a system that doesn't. And if we're sitting idle, then we're, we're complicitly you know, letting it happen, which is not what we're called to do. During our interview with President Lovell, he made a comment about how he thought he could make more impact from the top. So now that he is president of Marquette University, I think it's fair that we hold his feet to the fire and we wanted to know what he has brought to the university. I think since his tenure, he has really embraced the model of community engagement and bringing together staff, faculty, students, and community members to make a difference. And these were highlighted in both his Strategic Innovation Fund and the President's Challenge, which has really enabled Marquette to serve as an incubator for great ideas uh, for all members of the community. As someone who does not attend Marquette, the university's initiatives involving the Milwaukee community excite me far more than anything going on on campus. Like Ben and Kyle mentioned at the top of the podcast, I also assumed going in that Marquette would be more interested in standing out from the Milwaukee community than finding its role in it. However, listening to President Lovell talk about how the Office of Community Engagement offers a place for community members to bring issues to the university for advice and solving, Marquette's role with the Near West Side Partners, the Marquette Forum, and the SWIM Initiative's work to understand and reverse the inherited physiological effects of trauma has helped reassure me that Marquette is more than willing to throw its resources behind community efforts. For those listening from outside Milwaukee, this understanding of shared destiny and shared responsibility between community members and institutions is what has made this city feel special to me. President Lovell talked about how the first time in a long time, or maybe ever, the value of a higher education is in question. Of course, there are a lot of reasons behind this, many of them fiscal and or political, but his message was that smaller private universities need to be more agile or innovative in order to survive. And that is somewhat alarming because at the heart of this questioning of higher education 
is the devaluing of certain types of education, one of which is humanities-based liberal arts education, where critical thinking is replaced with intellectual commodification, and the immediate value of one's education is determined by the easy link between it and the job you can have with it. When in reality, many employers really value candidates who can adapt to change, address problems from a variety of perspectives, and are empathetic in the workplace. The important takeaway here is that it's not a one or the other type of conversation that needs to happen. It's not just black and white. You can have both types of education, and I believe we should. As always, thank you for listening to Bridge the City. Please reach out with any feedback or ideas for new episodes. And if you haven't yet, please check out our new website at bridgethecitypodcast.com, which was designed by another Trinity fellow, Ryan Flynn. We also want to share the news that KC Masters, who created the Bridge the City intro music, which rumor has it surpassed Drake, yeah, I think. I heard that. Most downloads of yeah, all time. Um, well, he has a new album out. And it's on all streaming platforms, so check that out. Give them some support. Our action step, which is what Bridge the City is all about, from this episode is to check out the Office of Community Engagement and see how Marquette can help you, your community, or your organization help Bridge the City. Bridge the City.